Hello. Do you like cars that turn into submarines? Do you like cars with bulletproof shields, ejector seats, tyre slashers, secret machine guns? Do you like Aston Martins? Yeah, I think you've got my drift. If you like all those things, you are going to love this special edition of Gareth Jones on Speed. I think everybody who likes cars is probably a Bond fan, simply because of the huge presence of cars and other vehicles in all Bond movies, right from the word go. And to be honest, the biggest Bond fan I know is Zog. Hey, Gareth. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, You love this. I think I am. I think we both are. How could you not love an exhibition of Bond cars? This is called Bond in Motion. It's an exhibition at the London Film Museum. It's the largest gathering, I believe, ever of Bond vehicles. Uh, Yeah, or it's the biggest collection of Bond vehicles. I can't help thinking, though, that that's one of those rankings in the world where there isn't much competition. (laughs) You know, you're probably in competition with two or three rich guys, each of whom have bought one or two cars from Bond. <laughs> so, you know, biggest collection of Bond cars in the world. Fabulous though it is. It's so, unique. Yeah. There are 30 cars or vehicles here, I'm told. We're starting not with one of Bond's cars, but a car which featured in the very first Bond movie. This was a baddies car, wasn't it, from uh, no, Dr. No, no, no? It wasn't in the first uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, there you go, uh, see? It's Goldfinger's Rolls-Royce Phantom from Goldfinger. Now, that was actually the first Bond movie I saw, I think, Goldfinger. First Bond movie in your universe. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. I yeah, then I went back we'll, we'll and saw it, yeah. Doctor No and Thunderball and From Russia We Love in that yeah. order. Yeah. But you'll remember this Phantom with its butter, lemon sides and its ornate grandness of the 1930s, was it? 1932? Yeah, it, it, it's a very, 35? very, you know, it's a very elegant, very imposing car. 1937, I think. 37. I mean, I don't know what you call the style of bodywork, but it has, as Rolls-Royces of that era usually had, it has, you know, custom bodywork, and it has the style where you have a separate, open-roofed compartment for your chauffeur. Mm-hmm. It's not called a Landau, is it? I think, I think it might be, oh, mm. yeah, sort of Landau, Landau, maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, Martin um, Landau. As in Martin Landau. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1999 fame. But it's a Rolls. Yeah, you start with the Rolls Royce, and I think that's one of the joys of the Bond films. They are supremely British. British culture is tattooed right the way through the film. Does Bond mm. have tattoos? Yeah, even the baddies. I think he does. Well, he was in the Navy. He was a commander of the Royal Navy. Of course yeah, he was. Yeah, He'll yeah. have an anchor on his shoulder yeah, somewhere, so won't he? Yeah. But a supervillain would have a super car, and a Rolls Royce is the greatest statement, certainly something of this period, in the 1960s. So, you know, this is a 30-year-old car, almost, in 1964 when Goldfinger came yeah, out. And it's absolute beauty, and just think how much that thing must have weighed if they did replace all the bodywork with gold, as, uh, <laughs> as Auric Goldfinger supposedly did in the plot of the movie. May have needed uh, a bigger engine. You've got enough room under there to fit a bit more... Uh, True. And, of course, it has, just as Bond has built into it, he's got his gadgets, he's got his weapon. Goldfinger's got odd job riding along there in the chauffeur seat. Pretty much an onboard weapon yeah. system, I think you can... An onboard and offboard weapon yes. system when you choose it to be better than Bond had. In Goldfinger, Bond drove the DB5. There was, he did, yeah. We're looking I, at a clip now the, the, of that great chase sequence where <laughs> he takes on a Mustang convertible. Think about that, so it's a bit of a cheeky thing because basically he deliberately run somebody off the road by slicing up the tyres just in order to try and get off with a pretty girl. I mean, 
Violet hates Bond. She thinks he's a horrible misogynist. Well, you could make a good case. What was it somebody said about the first of the Bond books when they read the early Bond books? It's all sex, sadism and snobbery. That's what Bond is all about. It's a bit like Formula um, One in that respect, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, kind of. Gareth Jones on speed at the Bond in Motion exhibition! There's another Rolls-Royce here as well. This one I don't immediately recognise, but they're showing a clip of Roger Moore's James Bond asleep in the back of the car. You know the story? This is A View to a Kill, film notable really for Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. Grace Jones isn't a great actor, but she's She's she's, she's certainly a presence. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she did have a fantastic Uh, album in, what, 1982? Oh, yeah. Oh, what an album. Crikey. We digress. And so, yeah, this was Walken's car in uh, In View to a Kill. Which is Um, a Silver Cloud 2 from... 1960-something, I'd say, this one, late 60s, it's but the film pretty, was 85. You know, in this company, I think, you move swiftly on. 1962 is this actual car. There are non-interactive yeah. screens here, which are cycling short bits of video that give you clips from the film of the car. You may remember the sequence, Bond chases the car alongside the car on a horse. You want to know what happens? Go see the film. With the registration on this car, Cub 1, and we know who that is for, don't we? Cubby. Broccoli, yeah. legendary producer of Bond films. We're going to another vehicle now. No, this is your favourite. This is my department, this is, yeah. This is not a car, it's an aircraft. And arguably the second smallest aircraft ever to appear in a Bond film, in my opinion, that you could actually get in and pilot. OK, the smallest being Little Nelly. Yes, quite okay, right too. Okay. This is the Bede BD-5, which I always think was the forerunner to anything that Bert Rutan came up with. Small home-built or kit-built or individually built aircraft. This one, which was available with a jet engine, and Roger Moore flew this, didn't he? Uh, Tiny little, a tremendous personal aircraft. I would say it has a wingspan of no more than four metres. So did they make these commercially? Is this, yes. a, this is a commercial yeah. product? Yeah. There was a range of BD aircraft. I don't know if you know them. They basically look like a cockpit with a rear engine stuck in it. There was a propeller-driven version, but there was a jet as well, and that was this, the BD-5. I'm looking into the cockpit. I'm not sure that I'd fancy flying a jet aircraft that has a control column that seems to have come off a chopper. I mean, it's... I'm not talking about a chopper motorbike. It's come off a bicycle, as far as Zog's not wrong. I would describe that not even as a motorbike stick, but like a child's bicycle. And that's the yoke that the pilot would steer with. Lightly bolted to the control column. I'm sure it's airworthy. I'm sure it's been certified by some slightly irresponsible civil aviation authorities. (laughs) Presumably, yeah. The FAA. It was American. You know, one's first impression looking at it is I would not get in that thing. I would. Easy, any. T- ed- flying's easier than driving, I'm telling you, there's less to hit. Oh, sure, you know, there are fewer idiots out there. Mm. Unless I'm in an aircraft. But, I don't know, the folding wings, the undercarriage that looks like it's come off a supermarket trolley or something? I mean. Now, the interesting thing is that all the vehicles here are actually props from the movies, they're not recreations. Mm. But this may not actually be a real BD5, it may be a one to one scale model of one. Yeah, yes, it could be, yeah, sure, it could be a mock up they made for filming. I'm hoping it's a mock-up they made for film. I'm going to look underneath because the BD-5, the real one, had retractable undercarriage. And this doesn't. That's not a retractable... No, it is. But it's got an extra brace, which means that this wouldn't retract. But I think this could actually be a real... Oh, no. 
those wheels can be driven I'd say this is a one-to-one scale model the rear undercarriage you've got a cog on them which suggests that they could be driven for manoeuvring around on the ground also looking a bit closer to the cockpit looking at the frame that the seat is bolted onto yep. and that the yoke is going into that's just too much heavy steel as yeah, far as I can yeah, yeah, frame. Yeah. if you were building this thing to fly that would be aluminium tubing yeah. or something lighter than what look like fairly solid sections of steel so, yeah this uh, is a very not yeah. truly but strongly built yeah. one-to-one scale model yeah. fantastic they're calling it the Acrostar. I never heard it called that. The Bead BD5 is how I knew it. Right, let's look at some cars. What about this big mother here? Oh, Zog, now we know this, don't we? Now, this is this the saddest car. Well, no, because the incident that you're thinking of yeah. involving the two characters who drove this car, yeah. I believe they were driving as Aston Martin when that very sad incident Okay, happened. yeah, um, we better explain. This yeah, is the Mercury Cougar CJ420. 28 which appeared in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, possibly the most underrated Bond film. I agree. I'd glad yeah. to say that. Lazenby was a good Bond. Diana Rigg was the most wonderful Bond girl ever, far more than any other Bond. The girl incident ever. we were talking about is uh, where Diana Rigg... We can give this plot away. I, I, yeah, it's a spoiler, we, but yeah. we can give it away. She dies at the end of the film where she's shot through the head, but not in this car. This car is this bright red American muscle car with a very distinctive ski rack on the back. When was this film? The, 70? Uh, oh, 1969. The exhibition has video screens by a lot of the cars, and so they're showing clips of the movies, and they're showing the fabulous sequence. Ice when, racing. Yeah, they take a little diversion onto an ice racing track, yeah. get involved in a bit of a demolition derby on the ice, whilst being chased by the bad guys in a Mercedes, and it's worth saying that Tracy's driving this one, of course, Diana Rigg is driving, not Bond. Ah, and she's doing a magnificent nice job. nice note. Uh, you did Bond girls, and, and, fast I mean, cars, that's all one in the, one breath. That's one of the things that makes Diana rig the ultimate Bond girl you know she's not only the sophisticated sexy companion but she can drive she can step up to the mark and and we like and a good driver action stakes we uh, like a good driver like a don't good we driver. Like I remember there was a toy of this and like all Bond cars they're instantly recognisable as sort of dinky toys or any toy because they stand out and it was that ski rack on the back that meant you knew this was the one from that film. Yeah, yeah. Superbly designed in that respect. We've got a boat behind us here. We won't spend too long on the boats, but there's two worth mentioning. Both personal watercraft. One is the jet boat Piers Brosnan's Q-boat from... The World Is Not Enough. A sequence Uh, where Bond blasts down the Thames, wrecking tourist boats and stuff, in a little green military jet boat. Cute. Very stealth-looking, all the edges to it. But this is one of the most famous, not the most, but the second most famous watercraft, arguably, in Bond movies. The wet bike from The Spy Who Loved Me, which... I remember. Fantastic. Now, that, that's uh, a great that's reveal. Favorite. Were jet skis, wet bikes, were they new at this time? I guess they were. Well, we so. didn't have jet skis. When this came out, we had wet bikes, but I don't think we had jet skis. Jet skis came later. They emerged, I would say, about mm, on the market, about 83, 85, something like that. Mm. So this predates that by uh, eight years or so, where it was slightly different. Rather than stand on a jet ski, you sit on a wet bike mm. with two monoplanes front and rear one which steers and that great reveal that great 
pull-out shot showing Roger Moore riding this across the ocean. Great. Yes, in uniform. He's yes. In, he's in his Royal Navy uniform. Yes. And I'd say this was in martini colours, wouldn't you? It is very close, Actually, isn't it? It's got a red, white and blue black stripe. It is, yeah. I hadn't, hadn't noticed that before. If that's how it was in the film, and I guess it must be. Um, how well they, did they, they do it. out of that? That's the greatest bit of product placement ever, isn't it? <laughs> in a Bond movie. We've got some more boats. We won't spend Ooh. too long on the boats, but uh, this is a nice classic oh, 1970s no. Glastrom speedboat. Now, this is the one that crashed into someone's Wedding party, party, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that, is that diamonds? Toys? We don't know. We're looking. It's a Glastrom GT150 from 1973. So, I think it is Diamonds Are Forever, isn't it? The one with the Southern American copper who curses and chews tobacco. He appears in two. He's in yeah. The Man with a Golden Gun and in... They're showing the clip behind now where Roger Moore's Bond is going down... I think these are the Everglades in Florida. And uh, what you get with this particular boat is its ability to function like a car and to skip over short bits of road, causeways, and back into the water. Great stuff. How, how hard can that be? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Surely, surely you've all wanted to do it, haven't you? Well, you have. I guess you've got to have an outboard motor that kicks out of the way nice yeah. and easily. And there's also the oh, crocodile <laughs> submarine from the same movie where it's a great reveal where Bond appears. There's a crocodile going through the Everglades and the mouth opens and you see Roger Moore's face appear out of it. It's octopusy. It's an Indian. That's Sorry, not it is yeah, but in yes. India. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Oh, that's ridiculous. More aquatic craft. We'll come to this one. Now this. I know, we'll come to this one in a minute. There's a very important one. But around the big one, there are lots of other personal watercraft again. This is a theme emerging. We're in the aquarium section here. These are all from Thunderball, which of course has a lot of scuba stuff, a lot of very cool underwater stuff, mini submarines and personal propulsion devices, like a little torpedo that That you hang hang on to and pulls you along. And of course, because it's a Bond film, they've got spear guns mounted to them and... uh, Superb. Bond is very good at imagining ridiculous things, which some do actually make it into real life. We'll explain in a moment. But I don't know if they do have these little personal underwater tugs with with, with spears mounted. But Ah. you get them with cameras these days, I know that. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of good technology to help scuba divers with better rechargeable batteries. You get better underwater electric propulsion devices. But no, I'm pretty sure there aren't any with spear guns on them. As far as I know, pretty much everywhere that has any kind of regulations about what you can do whilst you're scuba diving and what kinds of fishing you can do, you're not allowed to use a spear gun with scuba gear. If you want to use a spear gun, you can do it while snorkelling, but you can't do it with... You can only use a spear gun if you're going to take a breath and go under under your own steam rather than using self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. And I know you know that because yeah. I know you uh, scuba dive. Yeah, not enough, but I do sometimes. The name Speed. Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm slightly disappointed that we've got to this car so quickly. It's not the... Bond car. And you say it's a car? Well, yeah, it started off as a car. From the spile of me, I'm now standing with Zog in front of one of the props that was actually used in the film, the Lotus Esprit submarine. What a great idea and what a great car 
to turn into a submarine. It's pretty much the right shape, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely looks the part. As you say, what better vehicle could you choose, at least on the basis of the looks? I suspect if you were to ask an actual engineer who, mm. you know, who knew much about cars and knew much about submarines, which car of the period would you most like to turn into a submarine? They wouldn't have said a Lotus Esprit. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. I well, they're famous for leaking, weren't well, they? Well, yes. Well, you know, <laughs> Would you have enough room to put all those missiles and navigation mm-hmm. devices? No, it would never work. So completely impractical. It would never, ever happen. But so beautiful. Yeah. This and the DB5 are surely the two Bond cars that Defined you know, fans are yeah. you know, the ultimate Bond vehicle. And this is probably you know, the most the extreme, all, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah, you wanted to be able to drive off the yeah. end of the ramp into the water, off that little bridge into the water with Barbara Bach sitting alongside you and have your car turn into a submarine. That's really what Bond is about, taking an idea and illustrating it, imagining it. It's like Thunderbirds, I said the other day, imagined engineering at a very high level, and I think Bond does that as well. If you look at the conversion, you think, okay, it's got all the elements it needs to be a submarine. It's got four horizontal pitch planes, which give you control in that direction, and roll. You've got a pair of fins at the rear that give you your, although I'm not convinced they're in a perfectly reasonable hydrodynamic position because they're actually in the low pressure area at almost the cam back of the Esprit there. They wouldn't work yeah, very efficiently, yeah, those things. Yeah, you'd want to have them actually mounted on the body rather yeah. than on a frame sticking out of the back. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And here's yeah. the thing. Where did all that bit come from? Where does that fold into in the car? There's no space for it. And moving swiftly on. Right? Yes, exactly. And I hope the sunroof doesn't leak. It didn't have a sunroof, did it? No, it didn't. Um, oh, it, yeah, no, it... Uh, no. This one doesn't, so I don't think no, it did in the movie. They do look up at the helicopter at one point, but oh no, 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 they say look up with that targeting screen, Aha. not through the sunroof. Yeah. And of course, Rinsby did turn a Lotus into a submarine. They used the Elise, didn't they? It they was, did, and that's completely open. Um, yeah, you had to rescue the, again, it was electric powered. But I believe some rich guy has actually built himself, or is trying to build himself, a working Esprit submarine. I mean, it's not going to be a car and submarine, it's just going to be a novelty mini submarine that looks like a Lotus Esprit. I seem to remember reading about somebody trying to make that happen. That's fantastic. The spy who left me! Gareth Jones, licensed to speed. We're into iconic Bond cars now. This is the current Bond icon. This is an Aston Martin. Is it Advantage, uh, this is one? Is it DBS V12, is it? Is it? You know better than me. It is a DBS yeah. V12, yes. Well done, Tom. And it's absolutely torn to ribbons, this one. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah. There's no door. The glass is shot on the left-hand drive driver's side. I didn't realise it was left-hand drive. It's been rolled, it's been scraped, it's been bashed... Which one is this and which, what, this what's is, it from? I was going to say it was from Tina Rao, but because of what we're seeing on screen here, I think maybe this is one they crashed in Quantum of Solace. I think you're right. Um, it does say on that board there, over there, it says Quantum of Solace, 2008. Uh, and the other one, that's the one they crashed in Casino Royale. They're a little bit careless with these things, aren't they? They get given these lovely Aston Martins and they go and mess them up. Do take care of it, yeah, Bond. I noticed that Aston Martin have now got a department, a bespoke department. If you want to buy an Aston and you want it to be a little special, then you talk to Aston Martin's 
Q department, and I think that is a superb bit of branding. That Great is, idea. From Aston's point of view, that's a really good use of their tie-up with the Bond franchise. It's not too gimmicky or cheap, it's, you know, no. it's using the branding appropriately. I'm not sure how many cars they tend to supply for the films these days, but it's several vehicles that they hand over to be modified in some cases destroyed in some cases you yep. know chopped up in various ways so they can film and do particular tricks with them and, and in the way that an actor will have a stuntman playing his role there are stunt cars as well apart from real road cars some which are modified for the filming with camera points and things like that there are also if you like one-to-one scale models where you'll take the body shell of a car but mm. the running gear will be say a Mondeo or something underneath because yep. you know you're going to throw that over a cliff or you know you're going to have to use it five times put it through some extreme angles so it's got girders inside to make it possible it is a prop it's not always a car is it it Mm. often is a car but not always you'd have to say I mean one of the things I mean I think most people would agree that with the Bond reboot they've done a tremendous job of reinvigorating the franchise yeah they really Uh, have they've got a great new actor in the role and uh, the films have been terrific Quantum of Solace apart perhaps Mm -hmm. it's too complex it's just rather dippy the core of the story which is the thing about some guy that wants to take over a South American water, water. franchise yeah. you know, if you want to take over the world blow up the whole of the west coast of the United States and stuff like that okay you know, then I'm interested then I will buy then you send in bombs if all they want to do is sort of take over the equivalent of Thames water in Argentina not so interesting get some trade sanctions on the phone and actually Quantum of Solace is a terrible point but another thing they have done tremendously well is uh, in both Casino Real and in Quantum of Solace they've had really tough physical convincing chases and crashes which is part of the action that you want to see when the Aston rolls over and over towards the end of Casino Royale that feels like a real bone crunching it's you know, visceral isn't yeah, it Yeah. and that's what they did the very essence of the reboot of Bond was to make it more real less fantastical and whilst we loved the fantastical when we were children now that we're older men we perhaps want a Bond that's rooted a little bit more in that could happen you've got to get the balance right because of course it's silly fantasy but it has has to have some kind of grounding in a reality you can believe. Die Another Day, there was mm-hmm. an example of the sort of where the films have got very silly to a point where you just couldn't enjoy them, you just, you just couldn't take much interest in them. It does that whole ridiculous chase on ice, mm-hmm. and there's that whole ridiculous sequence involving the sort of paragliding, parasailing stunt done mostly with CGI, which it's just been stupid even without the dumb CGI, but when you add the unconvincing CGI to it, it's just terrible. Just, you just couldn't buy into it at all. Mm. With the reboot, with Casino Royale, you totally believe that. You know, Daniel Craig is a believable character. The whole world that he's inhabiting is more believable too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so therefore they, the kind of sense of jeopardy, the crashing, the multiple rolling of an Aston Martin. Part next to that DBS from Quantum of Solace is the Casino Royale 2006 DBS, which is the very one that was in the realm. Now, just looking at the actual car here... Oh, I see. It looked like a 4x4 because it's mounted on a black plinth and the front wheel is hanging down some distance. It looks like a jacked-up Aston Martin. Yeah, whereas in fact it's just an Aston that's been very roughly treated. Is that glass fibre? It looks... Yeah, yeah glass fibre body. Yeah. Oh, seeing a Bond car all mashed up you'd think it would be sacrilege with an Aston Martin, but you know how it's it earned those scars. It, it, that's what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Look at this. Yes, yes. I think you are allowed to say because this is the backpack 
but Sean uh, per- Sean Pertwee <laughs> Sean Pertwee I don't remember him playing Bond <laughs> the backpack oh, it's the one from Die Another Day it's a reappearance uh-huh. of the backpack yes of course Sean Connery wore it in uh, was it you were Thunderball Twa- Thunderball was it yeah, yeah. And this is the similar thing or the same well, thing? Well, I was wondering. The jet uh, pack. We could test this now if nobody's watching and we could figure out a way to get it out of this case. Because I've always wondered whether you could actually fit one of these rocket packs into the back of an Aston Martin DB5. Ah. As Bond does. Ah. <laughs> you know, you know, he lands by the car, takes the backpack off. Slings it into the car, off he goes. First of all, you'd need two people to help you get it off your back because they're three heavy metal cylinders. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's I no way there's that's no going in an Aston. Mind you, if only they would replace ability to take one set of golf clubs with ability to take one Bell Textron jetpack <laughs> as the specification for a proper luxury we car. We know that could be done. Car, but uh, that, I'd go with that. Hey, maybe you call Aston Martin's Q department and say, hey. no, listen, fellas, this is what I want. This is, yeah. I need a repeat shooting break with enough room in the back <laughs> for this. Oh, oh, so, 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 I just caught a view over my shoulder. Look over my shoulder. Look what it is. Ooh. It's here. This is the Ford Mustang Mach 1 from, I think, was it 1971? 71, yes, 1971. From the movie Diamonds Are Forever. This is the famous moment where Bond goes through an alley on two wheels. Yes. Now, I wonder who did this stunt. Was it Russ Swift? Do we know the driver who did that? I've actually travelled in a car that's done this. I've sat on the passenger side with a driver who rolls it up onto two wheels. And we did that on television. It's on YouTube. If you look up Get Fresh, you see me doing that. Have you ever tried to do it? Did they give you a go no, no, it wouldn't let me do it. It would have required a few weeks' training, I yeah. think. And we've mentioned this on the show before, but there's an appalling continuity error in this, isn't there? It goes in the alley on the, its right-hand wheels and comes out of the alley on its left-hand wheels. How did they mess that up? That's probably one of the things where they'd shot the sequence, or they'd done the whole thing, and after they'd wrapped that day of shooting, you know, on another day, on another occasion somebody realised that they needed to do a shot of it coming out of the alley or the shot of it coming out of the alley was overexposed or something we can check they're showing it are they oh it's here there it is look it's on the screen behind us right Las Vegas big American muscle police cars spinning it across junctions Um, Uh, Sean Connery's in the car left hand drive red Mustang Macron he's on the pavement goes down the strip the police cars give chase. He's cut up at a junction. Oh, he avoids a car, does a right and a left. That's hard to turn that car around like that. That's drifting, isn't it? Yeah. And off they go, 90 degrees from the journey. He's staying with me here. Going wide, drifting around a corner, past a car park, through the mint parking lot, past a row of cars. He's chased by two cars. One of them blocked and hits into an early 70s American saloon. Yeah, here we go. We've got the alley sequence he's coming down out. the alley. Oh, no, he's blocked. Oh, he's- There's no way out. There's another police car. He's in reverse. You're looking over his left shoulder like a right-hand driver does in a left-hand drive car. Shouldn't be doing that. Ducks out of the way and lets the two police cars... Uh, Crash into each other. each other. And he's still being chased. Oh, and more police cars oh, join the out, chase. Hang on, he's got to get out of the car park first, hasn't he? How is he going to do it? All exits are blocked. He goes up a ramp, over the top of some cars... That conveniently placed car transporter <laughs> ramp there. The coppers try to do and it just and just the right angle to give you enough of a lift to clear the cars. But the chase is still on. He hasn't even got to the alley yet. The police get on the radio. They spot him going down the strip and the chase is on once again. again. 
down a narrow alley. It's oh, a dead it's end. It's a dead end, says the sign. Yes. Bond realises this. He sees a ramp on the left-hand side, kicks the left-hand wheels up, so it's now running on its right-hand right right, side. Yeah, right goes down the alley like that, skirting the walls. The copper tries to do it and rolls. rolls it, of course. And Bond goes down, enters the alley. She's hanging on it. There it goes. Oh, there's a change. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, I guess you turn your forward momentum into a rolling action with a little flick of the wheel and you... Well, let's hope you've got enough bounce in your suspension yeah. to push it over. Fantastic. I love this car. I know Bond belongs in an Aston, but I'm very fond of the Mustang Mach 1. It's so 70s. Mm. That's what I like about it. They've got a video of the moon buggy sequence here. This is Diamonds are forever, isn't it? Bond's now riding a motorbike, or a trike, I should say, a Honda ATV. Have you ever ridden one of those? I haven't, no. They understeer like a Saab. They really, 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 really understeer. With a front tyre that big? Yeah, yeah, they really understeer. They just push on, they just scrub, scrub, scrub. (laughs) Uh, Hysterical fun. Gareth Jones on speed and Bond in motion. And I think we've arrived at the showcase car of the museum. Yes, an Aston Martin D. B5. Now they've got what's this, a third scale model in a glass case of the car as it appeared in Skyfall. And that lovely moment where Bond reveals it's in a Muse garage, isn't it? He opens it up and there she is. The definitive Bond car. And isn't it interesting? After all the great cars and vehicles that have been in so many Bond movies that we still refer to this one they as go the greatest. Back to the DB5. Yeah. Yeah, and have yeah. to do that, because this is the Bond car, isn't it? Yeah, it is such a beautiful vehicle. It was, I guess, you know, a happy accident that they used that car originally. The looks have uh, stood the test of time. Because Bond, in the books, he told me uh, he didn't he drive an Aston. No, in the books, he was originally a Bentley man, a Bentley Mark IV, I think it was, which is actually not a genuine vehicle, but hey-ho, they gave him the Aston Martin for Goldfinger onwards, which worked magnificently. It's a good question. Why has it become such an iconic thing? I guess it's just, to some extent, luck that they picked for Bond's car when they did Goldfinger. They picked something whose looks have lasted so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there have been many cars which are pastiches or recreations or have garnered their style from the Aston Martin DB5. Not least of all, a car that was announced in the last couple of weeks, the new DB Coupe, you know, the David Brown car, mm. which is sort of a modern reinterpretation of this. Not wholly successful in my book. It's not bad, but I think this is a far more elegant thing. This is I a mean, gentleman's suit, isn't it? Yeah, it has the looks, and then you throw into that mix the fact that you have... Bond, the iconic hero, driving along uh, beautiful corniches and windy mountain roads, occasionally deploying some ridiculous gadget that Q branches fitted. Of course, it has a, a fond place in our hearts. And we all had one. You can buy toys from stuff you've seen in films, so that really reinforced it. And to have a toy which wasn't only of a beautiful car driven by a, a mega hero, but it also had, had a working ejector seat. It had tyre slashes that came out. It had a working bulletproof shield in the back. It had rotating number plates. I mean, that's what you want from a toy. It's stuff that happens. It was designed to be a toy, surely. But didn't about half the people you knew who had 
had the DB5. Hadn't about half of them lost yep. the little guy yep. who shoots on the other deck to see? Dressed in blue yes. with his gun across his chest. Yep. Yeah, I yep. certainly lost um, my... Yeah. Yeah. Easily done. Here's an interesting thing. The DB5 has appeared in a number of Bond films. Of course it was in Goldfinger. Of course it reappears in the most uh, recent one, Skyfall. But Pierce Brosnan drove it as well in a film at some point. Yes. It's always been there. That's the thing. It was in GoldenEye. It cropped up in Casino Royale, the Casino Royale reboot, when Bond won the car in a game of poker. I have to say, I've never been that lucky at poker. Fingers crossed. The DB5 that we've got here appears to be the one from Skyfall, not the one from Goldfinger, because there are clearly no ejector seat in that, there's clearly no sunroof that pops out, and there's clearly no rotating number plates there. What a car. Okay, now we're into the uh, the, the, dark the BMW section. Yeah, yes. it's a shame the BMWs didn't really work out. There was that fantastic car park chase with the Seven Series, with the remote control BMW. And that was funny. Boy, wouldn't we all want one of those? Yeah, yeah. But other than that, well, they exist now. I, we have I, autonomous I German cars, don't we? That you don't need to drive yeah, yourself. Absolutely. But this is a BMW Z8 with missile launchers in the front wing behind the front wheels. Neat. Didn't make much of an appearance in the movies, I recall. Until it got chopped up by the... Um, a helicopter. <laughs> the the chopper-wielding chopper. A chopper with a rotating saw slung underneath it, which Bond meets his sticky ending on the car does, anyway. My question is, how would you ever land with that thing attached? You'd <laughs> never come down. to land? You've got to be great. <laughs> no, you're not coming anywhere near us You'd have to thing. have a special landing, somewhere else. landing position with a hole that you could park yeah. over like a pit. We're standing next to, again, a third-scale model of uh, the Scuriel, I think. I may be wrong. What does it say? It says it's a uh, Eurocopter AS three fifty five F one. What do I know? It's one of those nice model. If you come into the exhibition, you can get very very close to the cars, and they do look very handsome. There's some detailing as well, not just cars around, but there's some extraneous props. For instance, these studded tyres that are used on uh, the rather silly ice chase in Die Another Day. Nice yeah. to see this stuff, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good to see and a bit of movie memorabilia. And talking of the ready control BMW, it's here. Here's that seven. Oh, yes, with more rockets than you could ever hope to have fitted to your sunroof. But Bond in a saloon car seems wrong, doesn't it? I wouldn't rule it out entirely, but no, this is not one of his best rides. If his marriage to Diana Rigg had paid off and they'd had children, I would have allowed him to have a ready-controlled BMW saloon. But no, I think Bond needs to drive a coupe. I really do. The 750iL, the long wheelbase. There's another model here as well. A model of that car half jammed into an Avis window. The car park chase ended with the BMW driving off the roof and into the front of the wire car. This model was built, it says, to enable the art department to complete the set in which Bond's BMW flies from a car park roof into an Avis rented car window. There you go, so that's like a 3D shot list. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. they're working out how they're going to make that shot happen. There's another Aston here. A more contemporary one. This is the Aston Martin DBV8 from Living Daylights. Yep. That ice chase sequence, which is flawed, isn't it? It's a bit much. Well, well, this is a better ice chase sequence than in Die Another Day. Yeah. Certainly. A little bit silly, maybe, but an absolutely gorgeous car with good selection of weapons and other gadgets. It had a pair uh, of stabilising lasers that came out the side, didn't it? Lasers behind the fog lamps. The lasers came out of the wheels, if I remember Ah, rightly. You've got ah, to, you remember. You know, you know, how you 
fit that high power laser inside a wheel, I don't know, but apparently you can fit the laser powerful enough to slice the bottom off an Eastern European police car. <laughs> and a rocket motor at the back. And yeah. machine guns in the front, of course. That's you what's know, behind their lights. Yeah. Bits of Aston, it's, it's the real a, thing. A, and it's a very elegant one. Yeah. yeah. Lovely, sort of slate grey colour. A winner. But not the style icon that the original DB5 was. No. Or ever will be. No, but that's a pretty high mark to come up to. And I'm just wondering... Oh, ah, hmm. Yes. We've just encountered the vehicle known as Little Nelly, a Wallace auto gyro. And if I remember right... It was Commander Wallace himself who flew it in the film, I wasn't it? I it was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I met him, and he arrived. I was doing an episode of Get Fresh, a Saturday morning show I did back in the 80s. We were in Carlisle, and he was booked to be a guest on the show, and he arrived in a Wallace <laughs> autogyro. Not the actual little Nelly, but one made up in the same colours, and landed at Carlisle Castle, and we interviewed him. I never got a ride in it, because it's only a single-seater, but what a... Wonderful. I love personal vehicles. I love minimum automobiles, minimum aircraft. And, and, you know, this was a superbly British invention, as innovative as the Mini was in its day. And again, a parallel to Isigenosis, or however you say its name properly, a minimum car, a minimum idea, they put the smallest number of bits in to make it work. It's, you know, a, a pod and boom, as they say, a pod to hold the... Uh, the pilot and a frame to mount the motor on and a boom extending back to the vertical stabiliser at the rear and not much more than that I mean great I love to try flying one of these things it must be and, and, and I love the fact that it, you know, it seems like if you just tried hard enough you could build one of these things yourself yes and you I love like that, that sort of thing I, I, I do, I yeah. do. I, I, well the know. autogyro of course predated the helicopter Sierva yeah. in Spain was one of the first people to work with rotary wings and initially it was using the wind or the forward motion to spin the rotor blades which kept the thing in the air I know they did later couple the motor to a vertical shaft which would then spin it up to mm. help you get it rotating as you then move forward and then you decouple it when you're mm. flying but the great advantage of this is if the motor dies you're an auto gyro yeah. anyway so you auto gyrate down like a sycamore falling beautifully outside that I was just watching the 39 steps again the other day the Hitchcock version of the story yeah. and interestingly the, the sequence in which Hanny is chased by a plane over the Scottish moors in Hitchcock's version it's an auto gyro that's oh. uh, coming after him I hadn't remembered it being an auto gyro but now that we're talking about them that's, that's just coming back to me. we're going to finish now with arguably some of the more humble vehicles that have appeared in a Bond movie. There's a selection of motorbikes from Kagiva or Kajiva and BMW that appeared in more recent films. But the two most humble Bond cars ever, I would argue, are both French. We'll come to this one last of all, but we'll have to mention this. It's a front-wheel drive car, which is kind of important to the stunt that was required (laughs) for this car to do. In A View to a Kill, Roger Moore, if I remember, is driving a Renault 11, 
and it's pretty mashed up. It has the top cut off. It loses bits along the way and drives under a lorry, I believe, and loses the top. And we're looking at the car in its topless state. Yeah, we'll good point. Car. It then became bottomless as the rear of the car, from the B pillar backwards, was severed completely by an impact. And he then carries on driving the front half of the car. Because it's front-wheel drive. Fact, the clip's just coming up now. Absolutely fantastic. He's chasing somebody, and of course he's chasing a parachutist, not a car. Yeah, he's hijacked a taxi. It's a French taxi, isn't it, that he's got yeah. into? And he goes down steps in it. This is great. This is what cars should be used this for in Bond films. And yeah, absolutely. This sort of thing. I always wondered how long this would actually work, because surely the fuel tank for this is in the rear of the car. If you lose the rear of the car, you've only got enough fuel in the feeder pipe to keep you going for a few seconds before it runs out of fuel, but we'll suspend disbelief. That's true, yeah. That, very good point, Mr Jones. Great. We come yeah. to the sequence now. Does he catch him? You have to go yeah, see the film. There it is, he's just had the rear of the car sliced off and Roger Moore is still driving it with the centre of the car, which is now the rear, dragging on the ground like a tail dragger and he's steering with the front wheels. But we'll finish with the most humble of all Bond cars and a car that I know you're fond of. Well, yes, because this is the only vehicle in the collection of which I've owned an example. So I do feel a particular affection for the Citroën de Chevaux. Ah! And great, because if I remember the car chase sequence that this car is in is exciting as any bomb secret. It's a really good car chase. Again, there's a bit of it up on the screen over here now. It makes very good use of the vehicle. It's not a chase in which there's a lot of high-speed tyre squealing action, but there's more rolling sideways down French mountain sides than picking it up again. It's a more inventive chase. Truth um, is, though, if you roll down a mountainside in a De Chavaux, it was pre-roll cage. That thing would have collapsed like a Coke can stood on by an elephant, wouldn't well, it? Well, I'm going to stand up for the De Chavaux here. They're tough little cars. Cars, albeit very flimsy. It's a lightweight automobile. It's awfully easy to pull bits off them or bend them a little bit, but they do keep going. It's a very good bond ve- car, very then. resilient cars. Yeah. You know? they're, well, they're, you know, they're, don't you? Yeah. You can destroy them, as I found out. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you they, were being chased but, by but, Scaramanga but, at the time. Well, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, you know, they drive backwards over speed humps very comfortably. Uh, <laughs> they, they're, they're lovely little vehicles. We love, we, we love a dish about And a great Bond car. I hope you've enjoyed the Bond in Motion exhibition. If you want to come and have a look at it, it's only here for a short while. Check times and prices by going to the website of the London Film Museum which is in the west end of London in Covent Garden. If you like cars and you like Bond and if you're listening to this programme the chances are you do you will love this as we indeed have and as they say at the end of all Bond films, Gareth Jones on Speed will return That's it, we'll leave you with a tune. Actually this is the Gareth Jones on Speed Bond theme song that we wrote and recorded a while back around about the time of Spygate remember that? which gets a mention in the tune as does the Grand Prix Saboteurs the racing driver spies of the 1930s written by me and Zog I do the backing vocals but the main vocals taken by my great friend Steve Allen Jones here's Jones the Voice performing a spy who lapped me see ya Oh, lap times are important. 
get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>